Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. There's a lot in me that I have to share this morning, and I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to come out. Um, by the way of my design, <laughs> it's the way he speaks to me, um, and so I'm going to try to give it to you in a way that you'll see that he's really talking to the whole house, and I think that this is... Um, I think you can take this as a word for you today, as I am trying to digest it as well and chew on it and understand what he's doing. But I think um, as I'm trying to sort through and we're trying to sort through where God's taking us, what that looks like, um, he is revealing a bigger kingdom plan for that and I I want us to go together so I want to share what he's speaking in me and this is uh, not something that I've fully processed processed out yet but I think there are parts of it that he wants to share with you and he wants you to um, to walk so that we can walk together so that we can walk together in unity and um and I think for some of you, it, it, it's, uh, it is a corporate word for the, the body, the family of the well, but it's a personal, a deeply personal word as well. Um, and so I think where he is taking us and what he has for us to be a part of, that it's necessary for some understanding. and. You know, the beautiful thing is that God speaks to us in a multitude of ways. And not just for, for like, I hear the voice of God. And when I say that I hear the voice of God, it's not necessarily an audible voice. Sometimes it's just the knowing. And I, I think that Sometimes when we hear someone say that, all of a sudden, we allow that to put condemnation on us as if we don't hear the voice of God. And that's not what's being said. So the way he speaks to me is maybe not the way he speaks to you. But I always believe he is trying to speak. It's just, are we tuned into the frequency to which he can get that information to us? And what he is speaking to me may not be exactly what he is speaking to you because we are in a personal relationship that connects to a corporate body, a bigger body of believers. And so the word that he is speaking to you is for your personal growth and relationship with him. And there are times where it connects as a whole. But the personal work he's doing in you may be different than your neighbors. And in all actuality, it is. Because our journeys look different. 
And so the way he speaks to you may be different. Um, And when someone says, I heard the Lord say, then you need to take that in and say, okay, Lord, is this for me? What does this pertain to me? Are you speaking to me as well? And if he is, then let it do what it needs to do in you. And if in that moment you don't feel like it is, then you say, all right, well, then it's not for me for this time. It doesn't mean that it may not be for you because you may get down the road in four or eight years. I mean, it's happened to me. And that word will pop back up. And I'm like, what? I didn't even think that that had anything to do with me in that season. But it was a seed that was planted there. Okay? So when someone says, I heard the Lord say, it is not to make you feel like you don't hear the Lord say. Okay? And he will speak to you through impressions. He will speak to you through the word of God. And it should always align with the word of God. He will speak to you through people. They don't even have to be godly people. Is everybody, is anybody, has God ever used some ungodly person to speak to you? <laughs> right? And you're like, they don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you. There are so, we limit how we can hear from heaven. We limit how we can hear from heaven. He uses your children. I will say forever that God used my children to consecrate me and sanctify me. Because when I began to see myself through their eyes, I recognized a few things that didn't need to be there anymore. Right? And so I was grateful for that. So this may be the first message that I've preached in a very, very long time where I'm only using one passage of Scripture. We'll see if that holds true. (laughs) As he starts uh, downloading in the moment, and he really is downloading in the moment. One of the things that we say in School of Prophecy a lot is the need for the body. Um, We know in part. And that means that we won't know in full until we've reached perfection, until we've reached Jesus. But it also means that I have a part. I'll, I'll know a part. And that, Joanne, you may have a part that plays in, that brings deeper revelation to what God is speaking or saying to me. And that could come through something that you share with me or something I share with you and you go, oh, wait a minute, that connects. Does that connect to what God was showing me in the scriptures or what I've been praying about? And then before you know it, that part that you had, that little piece, then begins to become a fuller, fuller picture. And it's a really a beautiful thing. Now, it's on us to figure out, with God's help, timing and that sort of thing. And so today, as I step into this message, I've been wrestling a little bit with timing. I don't know if that's me in the flesh or in the spirit that I'm trying to figure out. Is this the timing 
or is it not? But it's the only thing he keeps speaking to me this week. And so if this is a personal word, which I feel like it was a personal word for me that I'm walking out, I'm going to take that for what it is. But I also now see clearer that this isn't just a word because for us to go where he wants us to go, you all need to hear the word as well. Okay. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, I lay down my life for you this morning again and again and again. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would guide my thoughts, that I would be in tune with your spirit, that I would bring forth the words that need to be spoken, that they would come forth in clarity. I come against the devourer that would try to distort truth, the accuser that would try to speak lies. Father, I say, open our ears to receive what you have for us to receive today. Flow through me. Flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week, has probably been one of the hardest weeks of my life in a long time. For many, many reasons. And so, you all walk through hard weeks too, I know. And I'm not um, looking for sympathy, but what I'm looking for is to be transparent. And sometimes we walk through seasons where we just have to do what we know to do because we don't know anything else to do. We do what we know to do until God leads us in another direction. And so, as I've walked through this week, and it's, this week was a culmination of a season. You know, seasons last longer than a week, (laughs) most of the time. (laughs) And I feel like I have clearer vision than I did a week ago. But it was through the struggle. And it was. It was dark. And it felt like an attack. But I know that even in the midst of that, that there's something that I can grow from it and that I can take from it. And that through it, God desires to do a work in me. And I'm willing to allow that to happen. It might not be pretty as I do that. 
but I'm willing to walk through the process of what he's trying to do. So I have to share a little bit of this in order for me to take you where he took me so that I can share what he's been speaking to me, okay? So in prayer this week, I heard him say out of John 15, verse 2, he said, I heard him say, he prunes even the fruitful branches. And I had context for that scripture. I had context for that statement. I knew in my own perspective what that meant. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I had a story. I had the whole thing. Like, you know, I could see it playing out in my head and in my spirit of how I thought and what I thought that meant about pruning. My context of understanding what pruning meant is from a farming context which is relative to the passage of Scripture, but it's not in its fullness in that passage of Scripture. So when I think about pruning something, I think about pruning rose bushes or pruning fruit trees or pruning tomato plants. And the reason that you do that is so that it will bear more fruit. And if you've ever seen them prune apple trees and when you go through in the early spring and they've pruned apple trees you think what did they do to that tree it appears that there are very few branches left on that tree and so that was my context of pruning to cut off or to remove something so that it could then produce more fruit. And so, as I decided to dive deeper into that scripture and to allow God to change the narrative to which I understood that passage of scripture, he revealed something deeper to me. So, I'm actually going to read verse 1 through 5, Nathaniel. And it says, this is in the New King James, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I find this very interesting. Oh, um, I'm just going to remind you I'm left-handed. I read the end before I read the beginning. I, I think it's the way lefties' uh, brains are wired. So I'm just going to put that out there before I start doing that, okay? But I have a connection. Um, let me just tell you that when we say that this year is about expanding, it is about expanding. And we have to remember that what we're seeing with our eyes is not what's happening in the spirit. Because if we look, in our, look with our natural, if we look with our eyes, 
we will miss what he's doing in the spirit. We absolutely have to keep our spiritual eyes and ears open or we will become bogged down and discouraged by what's happening in the natural. It will not look as it should. And last week, God, you know, I told you he was speaking to me in pictures and I had Wade come up and I was dragging him. He was, you know, supposed to be Jesus. And it's like, hey, this is my plan. Come with me. But instead, what he wanted us to see was him enwrapped, abided, grafted in, a part of us. That's what he wants for us. That there is no separation. There's no distance between he and I. Okay? So, when that happens, when that abiding takes place, when we allow that for us to be absorbed into him, his DNA to be absorbed into ours, that we begin to function and look like he does, and our life begins to produce the fruit that he intended for it to look, he also begins to prune. And if you go back to the Greek of that word, prune, it's actually kathari. And it means to cleanse. It means to cleanse. Or purge. To remove undesirable elements. It is actually much different than the visual that I had in my mind when I thought about pruning. It's really a process of cleansing that he wants to take us through. And that will cause the cutting off of the things to be removed from us that may even seem fruitful. But he has to continue to cleanse us to take us where he wants us to be. And that may not look like just sin. We're very sin-focused. But it's even more about the dying process of dying to our self-will. And so much less than about the sin that we struggle with. But about the process of cleansing. Because those that aren't bearing fruit anyway... He doesn't say he'll prune those. He actually, if you look at that, it's, it, that in the New King James is a poor translation of that, where it says he will cut off the unfruitful branches. A better translation is this for verse 2. He cares for the branches connected to me. That's Jesus. By lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning, cleansing every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Versus every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It actually, the deeper understanding there is that if, even if you feel like you're in a fruitless season, he's not casting you away. That original text says that he is propping you up. 
Let's talk about that tomato plant. Carl, I think you could catch this. I think you like to do a little bit of farming, a little bit of gardening. I don't know why I keep looking your direction, but I, maybe this is something specific for you this morning. But there's something about tomato plants. We grow heirloom tomatoes. Oh, they're delicious. They're delicious. But those plants get this tall. They are so large. I mean, they're not these little scrawny tomato plants. They're tall, five foot tall. Amazing. The branches on those things get so heavy that we have to prop those branches up because the fruit that it's trying to bear will cause that branch to break if it is not supported properly. Because the fruit that an heirloom tomato plant can produce, one tomato can weigh a pound. One pound, bigger than my hand. I can't even wrap my whole hand. It's incredible. Bigger than a slice of bread when you open that thing up. So I want you to think about that. Because I feel like that scripture sometimes is used as a weapon. Like if you're not producing fruit, he's going to cut you off. But that isn't actually what happens. He allows us to walk through a pruning season, a cleansing season. And you know what that looks like sometimes. Personally, I'm going through a cleansing this week. That's what's happening. He's trying to create things in me that need to die, that need to be removed. He's creating moments for me to be cleansed and to grow. Is it fun? No. Would I rather avoid it? Probably. But not in reality. Because I know it's necessary for where he wants us to go. So don't live in a space where you feel like that you're going to be separated from the vine dresser. I find this, I want to read this passage. Because in the text, you know, the, the King James Version is written in a way that could be understood in that time. In language that they did the best that they could to... Put it in original-ish language. But our language falls short in that. We've talked about that when it comes to the Greek and the Hebrew. But let me read it to you in this. I went through and I looked up every word in the scripture to take it back to its original form. So that then I could cross-reference it with other versions and translations of the Bible. So that I would fully know exactly what, because I thought, well, if I've got the word pruning wrong, how many other words in that passage of scripture have I failed to see the depth of, the depth of the understanding, right? I'm not, and I, this isn't a moment to be like, well, why even try if everything, you know, but I will tell you, he does not hide things from you, but for you. I will quote that again and again. But if you will seek him, as it says in Matthew 6, and his righteousness, all the rest will be added unto you. 
If you seek him, you will find him. If you knock for understanding, he will open it up unto you. He desires to give you revelation and understanding. But you know what he was saying to me? Hey, Becky, we need to go a little deeper. I know you've read that scripture before and you have a context of it, but you're walking into a new season and you need a deeper revelation. So let's go back to that. Let's go back to this place and let's dig a little deeper in it so that I can reveal myself to you through it. Okay? And so I want to walk you through this a little bit. Is this okay? Are y'all okay? Okay. So in this translation, which holds the best that I could find to the original translation, to original language, it says this. I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer, the the vine dresser, the farmer, Who tends the vine is my father. So this is Jesus saying, I am the true sprouting vine. He is what we are connected to. God is the one who is tending the vine. But we are abiding. Abiding in. When you look at that word in, in the the Greek, It actually is the same word that's used for in the womb. In the womb. We have to quit trying to separate us from him. His word says nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we continue to try to step out side of where he has us, which is to abide in him. If you abide in me and I abide in you, You be in me as I be in you, and we are in the Father. That's but beautiful. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning, cleansing every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. You're going through this season that feels like pruning, but it's a cleansing, and it's for you. It's for you. He's cleansing, removing the things that don't need to be there, taking us to a deeper place, and it feels like death. It feels like dying. It does to me. Every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. When he talks about the word being spoken, the word right there is rhema. That's rhema. That's life. Rhema is life in the word. That's active. And because of the life of the word, it cleanses us. As the word is released over us, the revelation word. And Emily, she is fine, so don't worry about her, okay? Okay. 
So you must remain in life union with me as I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine, abided in mine, intimately joined to his. Intimately joined to his. That's the abide. That's the place where he, we, he wants us to abide. I have a few passages. We are, those of you that feel called to the well, and you feel like this is your home and the body to which you're connected to, the vision, the DNA to which you feel connected to, there's a very specific assignment on this. And there was nothing before this. So this is a pioneering work. We have been called to be pioneers. What do pioneers do? They take new land, or they go into territory and then claim it. And we are doing that. That's our assignment, is to come into new territory and claim it for the kingdom of heaven. Wade and I, God brought us all the way here from Tennessee under the guise of a job. But he actually called us to this region. He actually called us to this region for an assignment greater than what we could have ever imagined. There are you, those of you, which I talked about on Vision Sunday, that have prayed. It is because of your prayers that we're here. Because of your prayers. The pioneering work is not easy. It's, it's, it's hard. You can feel like people don't understand. You can feel like you don't understand. You can feel like, am I doing more damage than I am good? You can feel like you've lost your way because it's not easy. I mean, let's just use this Sunday, for example. We had no worship team this morning. And I think that that speaks to the heart of the house. That we're not here for those things. Do we love it? Oh my goodness, do we love it? Because it creates an atmosphere that, that we are a lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, we love Judah. Like, we love worship. We love his presence. But there's a shift taking place and there's an attack and, and sometimes I feel a little guilty because I feel like we pick on the religious. We'll just call them the Pharisee. How's that? We'll just use that term to make it more palatable, older term. But sometimes um, it's hard because we'll talk about that. But see, because of the specific mandate 
on pioneering what God has us to pioneer. It is an attack on the Pharisee. It is. Even for us, that pruning and cleansing, some of you might have felt that this morning, even in worship. You're like, well, I know I need to enter in, but this is not what I'm used to. And we have to push ourselves a little bit to step in to where he wants us to go. We have to fight those pharisaical thoughts and ideas of how it should be. See, the blueprint that Wade and I got was to chase after Jesus. That was what we got. And he was creating a place for us to do that. I have to share a passage or two. I'm going to do a little reading to you this morning. I, I, I don't see how not to. For you to gain the understanding that you need to. You are not here by accident. And I, we are so grateful that you've called us here. As a matter of fact, we're in a season where we know that we have to connect with the people that feel called to the well to accomplish the purpose and the assignment on this house. And it's an assignment to be connected to other houses. And we actively pursue that. But there is a particular assignment here and a particular DNA. And this isn't the easy work. It's, it is easier to go somewhere that's well-established, that's been around for several generations, that's worked out all the kinks, and they've slid into a place where they've got it all worked out. But see, we're not, we're not flying by the seat of our pants, but we're flying dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Dependent upon that. Jeremiah Johnson just wrote a book. He just released it called Prophetic Pioneering. It's very good. I'm not finished with it yet, but so far, it's what I needed. It's what I needed. And I just need for you to know who we are as one. We're all going through this pruning process. And maybe you're not right now. You will be. You will. You will. So I'm going to read this. Keep in mind what we know already, that we're in a season of expanding, that there are things, that the doors that are opening and places that he's taken us that we have to Continue to seek alignment with the will of God. For ourselves individually, there's a responsibility you have. There's a, a responsibility you have to allow God to do the work in your life individually so that then we can pioneer together. We can take new territory or reclaim old territory that's been promised to the King of Kings. So I'm going to read this. 
a divine reset and transition into a new era. That's the title, the heading of this section. A divine reset and transition into a new era. So he's saying that he believes that there is a new era of church. It, it started during the pandemic. During that time, the, the religious system was attacked hard. When did he birth the well? In January of 2020. We didn't have any religious system set up. We should not have survived a pandemic. There's no way a church plant who had only met 10 weeks before the pandemic hit survived. Unless it was the will of God. Unless it be the will of God. And sometimes when we look in our eyes, we can look around the room and we can see, well, they didn't have any worship people this morning and they don't have this and they don't have that. It doesn't really matter. What we do have is a hunger and thirst for the things of God. <laughs> a hunger and thirst for the things of God. We still meet here on Tuesday nights and just play music and pray. No fanfare. But I believe we're a part of the new era. I believe we're a part of it. And the struggle that we're going through is part of that. It's not because you're not fruitful, but he wants to cleanse it so that then it can be what needs to step into the new era. Because we will not be able to withstand if we don't allow that process to take place so that we can then produce more fruit, the fruit of us abiding in him, intimately joined with him. Oh, sorry. So I'm going to read. I sense prophetically that millions of Christians have now found themselves in the wilderness with a choice. Will we go back to the bondage of religion, Egypt, prior to the global pandemic, or will we follow the Holy Spirit, a new breed of pioneers, into the promise of God for the new era? The pioneers of the new, he calls it the new Jesus people movement, will be persecuted by the religious and misunderstood by those holding on to old wineskins. There is a, de a demonic strategy set up against every pioneer in their generation that is not only aimed at destroying them, but also scattering, scattering the followers. If Satan's attack is successful, everyone involved will come out with the battle hurt, uh, come out of the battle hurt and wounded. Remember, Satan uses people to attack, criticize, and question pioneers, so that those who are getting set free, refreshed, and empowered by their life and ministry will become confused, disoriented, and altogether stop listening to the emerging pioneers. Those who lead and dream with bravery cannot allow themselves to become so easily manipulated by people's criticisms and attacks. Pioneers must not try to maintain peace in their heart and life based on whether people accept or reject them. Are we ready for that? From my own personal experience, most of the time, God will not deliver you from your accusers. Rather, he will actually save you by killing the part of you that is vulnerable to the devil by using the accusations themselves. Y'all ready? 
Visionaries and dreamers must recognize that both God and the devil want them to die, but for different reasons. Satan wants to destroy them through attacks and criticism and then drain them by their unwavering need to explain themselves and their side of the story. And he says, please stop wasting your time and energy. On the other hand, God wants to crucify. Here's the God part. Here's the pruning. Here's the pruning. God wants to crucify that part in you that was so easily exploited by the devil to begin with. The rest and peace that pioneers are so desiring in their lives and ministries will only come when they finally die to what people say and think about them. Pioneers, in order to deliver you from the praise of man, God will baptize you in their criticism and attacks. And I believe we have a room of pioneers. It is painful. It is painful. You will pay a price that most around you will never see or understand. You are speaking a language of reform and awakening that many in the body of Christ just don't have an eye or ear for yet. Do not grow discouraged. And most of all, do not be surprised when the attacks and criticisms come. Rather than rushing to defend or explain yourself, my advice would be to go before the Lord and ask. This is what I had to do this week. What inside of me are you exposing through the accusations and attacks of others that needs to die? He goes on to say, in an open vision, I saw the spirit of Saul, insecurity and jealousy, operating through church leaders of old wineskins. It is currently attempting to assassinate a new breed of pioneers who are crazy. This, listen, see if this sounds familiar. Who are crazy about the presence of Jesus absolutely love prayer, worship, and the place of encounter. Pioneers of the new Jesus people movement won't care who is preaching or leading as long as God manifests his glory. <laughs> I feel deeply compelled by the Spirit of God to speak a Father's blessing as a leader in the body of Christ over a new generation of firebrands that understand that the old wineskin of the global church cannot contain the new wine God is pouring out. I declare you are not rebellious or prideful because you know there has to be more than church programs, three songs, and a nice motiv motivational sermonette. Many of these, this is going to talk to church hurt. Y'all ready? Many of these new breed pioneers and firebrands rising have not been fathered and released like they should have because of jealousy and insecurity of their leaders. But in the days ahead, the days, of, the days ahead, they will move in an opposite speed. I'm going to read this one last section. Are y'all okay? One of the most significant shifts taking place beyond the global pandemic is a breaking away of the spirit of religion that has been strangling so many pioneers and forerunners for decades. Where human religious traditions govern church services, everything is scripted, pre-planned, and methodically carried out. There is no room for anything spontaneous, spirit-filled, or shifting of the service in nature because those actions cannot be controlled or predicted Religious traditions thrive on what can be controlled, predicted, and expected. These kinds of church services end before they begin because they are robotic and mechanical. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is the number one enemy of the religious traditions of men. 
It brings spontaneity, fresh vision, and unpredictability to church services, which makes church leaders and saints who operate in a religious spirit very uncomfortable. When worship leaders stop singing the words on the screen and sing a spontaneous song to the Lord, religious traditions are challenged. So be free, worshipers. Be free. When men and women of God preach under the strong prophetic anointing that challenges structures and systems, religious traditions become very upset. When saints prepare to participate at corporate gatherings rather than be entertained, religious traditions become afraid. The sound of glory coming will never be dominated by one man's voice, but by a family of believers who are working together in the spirit with the fivefold ministry. So good. Pioneers, walk in humility, forgiveness, and honor always. He goes on to talk about pioneers and settlers and how settlers really struggle with pioneers because they question the move of God. They question the direction that the Holy Spirit is, the way the wind is blowing. And when things don't go the direction that they think that they do, they struggle. I believe there is a place for settlers that want to see change. But he goes on to say the settlers are your passport to make you learn how to lead with Christ-like patience, endurance, and meekness. Don't forget that when we feel challenged, when we feel like people don't understand, that we go back to what is inside of me that you are exposing so that I can be more of what you have, that I can die, that what is in me that needs to be dead will die. Because once we get there, Bev, she didn't know, she sent me a scripture out of John 15 this week, just as God does, see, we know in part, we all play our part. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words, the rhema, revelation, live power, powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. We can go after the things that God has given us dominion and authority over, and we can see those things done and accomplished. Back at the end of January, a few weeks ago, I believe Sophie has a prophet. God gave her a prophetic word. He goes on to talk about the new wineskin that we're stepping into and how that looks. And so I want her to share that prophetic word because I think it ties into what God is wanting to speak to us today. So it's in um, Luke 5, and I'm going to start in 36 and read through 39. And he gave me this illustration. No one rips up a new garment to make patches for an old, worn-out one. If you, tear up a, if you tear up the new to make a patch for the old, it would not match the old garment. 
and who pours new wine into an old wineskin. If someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine is always poured into new wineskins. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. What he was telling me was that we're trying to rip up a new garment, a new vision, purpose, mandate. We're trying to remake our old garment, old plans. But Jesus is saying in 39, yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new wine that I bring. You're trying to build an old vision when God is trying to get you to taste his new wine. For if you get for if you get on for you to get on board with his plan. I think we have to be cautious not to want to pour that new wine into an old wineskin. We have, we've already started. This started for us, well, before 2020, but we stepped out in 2020 into a new wineskin. And we cannot pour new wine into an old wineskin. We can't patch it together. We can't add cloths to it. This looks like something new. Your life is going to look like something new. He's, he is pouring in something new. In order for that wineskin to take in that new wine, it has to go through a cleansing process. It has to be submerged in oil and water. It has to. He wants to prune even. It wasn't that they had it all wrong. The Pharisee, they wanted to do what was right. In Judges, the whole book of Judges, over and over says they did what was right in their own eyes. There's just a plan and a blueprint that God wants us to follow. It ended up being their demise. God always sent a redeemer. He's always faithful. He will not abandon, he will not cut you off. He will prop you up through the process. He has not abandoned you and he will not leave you. But if you're in a pruning season right now, it's because there's a new wine he wants to pour in. But there's some work he's got to do on that old wine skin. And we're good about wanting to patch things together. You know, it's the whole just put a Band-Aid on it. And as a kid, I loved Band-Aids. I thought they'd hold up the world. I mean, I'd put posters on the wall with Band-Aids on them because I thought those. <sighs> we got to allow him to do the cleansing work in our life. This, what he has called us to, what he has called us to be a part of, will not look like the former. It won't. It's new. And it's good. It's fruitful. It's fruitful. But we got to allow the pruning process. And I am in process. I am well in that process. I'm going to ask you this question again. What inside of you, what inside of me, is he exposing 
that needs to die. I have to go back and say that both God and the devil want, the, want us to die. But for two different reasons. Two different reasons. The enemy is out to destroy you. He is an accuser. And if he can take you out, he will. And God is just saying, die. So that you can be intricately woven into me. Consumed by me. So that we can be a part of this new thing that he is. You're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it. Don't lose sight right now. Don't lose your way right now. Don't allow the accusations of the enemy, the lies and the deception of the enemy to derail the plan of God for your life. I think I've shared this with 15 people, but maybe there's one of you I haven't shared it with in here. But he's been showing me something about lies and deception. And the interesting thing, so a lie is a lie. You know, like I could ask Malachi, did you do your homework? No. But he could say, if he was telling a lie, he could say, yeah, I did it. That's completely an untruth. It's a complete untruth, right? But deception is sly. Because deception is laced with a little bit of truth. And the enemy comes to deceive and says that the elect will be deceived because he will come in craftily and he'll expose those things within us that God wants to use to cleanse us, but he'll, he'll give you the well but. And he'll twist it just enough that it's no longer truth. Just like when Jesus was tempted by the accuser. I like to use that word because I like to call him what he is. And I don't think Satan or the devil gives it accurate definition. But I like to call him the accuser because he's good at that. He's good at accusing us of things. And it becomes such a situation for us that our focus then turns so internally on ourselves that we can't see the God that's right there trying to create a way of escape for us. And it's a sneaky, sly occupation that the enemy has. You know, just like he told Jesus, he comes along and he whispers a half-truth in your ear like you did Jesus. Yeah, Jesus has all authority. He could have done whatever he wanted to. He could have turned rocks into bread just like the enemy said. But instead, he had to look at the lie, the deception, because it's true. You see that? It was true. Absolutely. But Jesus my father. The word says, 
So just like Jeremiah said, there is a dual assignment on your life. There is an assignment of the enemy that wants to destroy you. But there is an assignment of God on your life that wants you to die so that he can bring new life into you. Will you stand with me? And when your brother and sister reaches out to you and they're struggling, it's the time for you to remind them that the truth of God over their life. It's time for you just to play a good game of let me speak truth over you and tell you who you are and what God created you for and to remind you that God has a hope and a future for you and a plan and that if he's brought you to a place that you're walking through a really difficult and hard season, that there may be a part of that process that he's using to cleanse you. I feel like there's a lot of us that have been walking through a pruning season. And maybe you feel like you've been in a barren season where there's not been fruit. And you feel like, what good am I? That's a lie. He says he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He does not fail. We've been singing that song a lot here. Speaks to what the house is walking through. He does not fail. But either place you find yourself on the vine, whether it's the fruitless place, he's propping you up. He's propping you up. And if you're in the other place where you felt like, man, I thought I was fruitful, I was moving in this direction, it seemed like things, and then all of a sudden, I got the wind knocked out of me. Maybe it's God, that dual assignment, saying here, let me prune this a little bit. Come with me and let's go through this cleansing process so that I can create a vessel that can hold the new wine. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.